the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. Good to be here this morning. Hey, listen, before I start today's show, I just want to kind of give a shout out to my own website. If you would like to reach out to me and have me call you back, you can go to BullingtonCapital.com. There's a contact us form there, and we'd be glad to uh, get in touch with you for whatever it is that you're, you have questions over. Excuse me. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, same things we kind of always talk about. I'm going to start off with the economy uh, and just overall, what kinds of things are, are moving, what kinds of things are not. Little future uh, prognostications, the, uh, but, which are probably worth the uh, paper they're written on. And since it's I didn't write it down, it's in my mind. That tells you how much that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, and then we'll talk about uh, fixed income because that's a, that's a big deal. Some people don't realize that the bond market is four times larger than the stock market is. Let me see that again. The bond market is four times the size of the stock market. Most people do not want to take a lot of risk. I was shocked a few years ago when I learned that 85% of the population in Europe did not own stocks. Think about that. 85% of the population, you know, in some countries in Europe, they have negative interest rates. You literally have to pay the banks to hang on to your money for you. Yeah. Can you imagine if that happened here? It, I mean, it could, but I don't, I don't think it will, but it might. I mean, it's good. There's a, there's a better chance of that than interest rates going back to four or 5% anytime real soon. No, let me say that again. There's a better chance of interest rates going negative then there is a new interest rate coming out at 4 to 5%. Why? Well, and by the way, this is all the economics. I should probably give you a heads up that, that this is part of that. The banking system in, in the United States is the driver of the economy. Okay. They are securely in the driver's seat. They have been all since about the early 1900s when the Fed actually got some power. And that power wasn't very much until after the Depression. And then they had a lot more power and they had FDIC and uh, the SIPC formed and SEC. So we've been evolving quite a bit. That's one of the reasons it's not likely that that past 
is going to be repeated because we did learn something from all that. Uh, that's the thing about humans. We don't learn really fast sometimes, but we do learn. Eventually, we get it. And I've uh, just been, I, I feel really lucky that I live in America because our system's a little bit more advanced than most systems that are out there. And uh, although they're catching up, and which is a good thing, it'll actually uh, lead to more stability down the road, hopefully. And uh, at least it's got a chance. Uh, so, and I don't want to debate that, by the way. It's just a, uh, an observation. Could be wrong. And that's the thing about investing. When you don't have guarantees, you have to rely on your own estimates or someone else's estimates if you're using outside advisors. And that's a little scary sometimes. Actually, it's it's a lot scary. You're trying to come up with the best scenario. It's like I was talking about interest rates probably not going up anytime real soon. There are lots of reasons for that. The national debt is probably the largest. You know, I understand. You start raising interest rates by 1% or 2%, you're going to drive the government's expenses up, who has to pay that interest, by 100 to 200 $300 billion dollars. You know, they, they couldn't get $5 billion for a wall. And now you're going to voluntarily pay an extra anywhere from 100 to $300 billion on a, on a 1% to 2% increase in interest rates? I don't think so. <laughs> I just can't imagine that happening. And I just got a... Uh, um, actually, sorry about that. A little interruption there. So anyway, I just can't imagine them raising interest rates that much over that time period and or any time period in the next probably 10 years. So um, what does that mean? Well, it, it doesn't really mean a lot. It, it's actually pretty good for the stock market. If, if you don't have alternatives, I mean, if, if CDs were 5 or 6% right now, that would be a good alternative to having to put money into the stock market. And, uh, or you wouldn't have to put as much into the stock market. So that big sucking sound would be the uh, money you hear coming out of the stock market and going into a CD that paid five or 6%. And I just don't think that that is really likely. So that's one of the reasons. And the reason I'm spending so much time on this today, I, I have a couple calls, you know, people asking me to, can you just talk about stocks? Because that's what we use to tune into your show for. And, and actually, no, I can't, you know, because it's not a, um, I mean, I, I will, we'll spend 20 minutes on it and right at the end of the show, the last 20 and it'll be in depth. And by the way, if you're spending more than 20 minutes on this, it's because you don't know as much as you need to know. Uh, it's, there's not that much that matters with stocks either, by the way. And one of these days I'm, I'm going to finish that, that booklet, uh, when I get my thoughts organized. So I feel like it, it, the vast majority of people can understand it because it can get complex. It, it's not necessarily complex, but it can get complex over time. You just, uh, it actually, it can get incredibly complex if you let it. And in fact, financial services in general, uh, financial industries, banking system, economies, it's, it's unbelievable how granular some people get. I mean, there are thousands, millions of pages written on this stuff. So what it all comes back down to in the end, it's supply and demand, which you probably learned in your very first class and, and econ if you ever took that, or you've probably heard that someplace before. 
And all the other work is done trying to predict what the supply or demand is going to be. <laughs> all those millions of pages that have been written out there, they're all designed to try to do the same thing. We're going to try to predict what the supply and the demand are going to be. And uh, anyway, I'll, I'll leave that for now. The, the bottom line is the, uh, the economy is doing very well. It's picked up a lot year over year. There are a lot of changes. I feel like that a lot of the changes that have been a product of the pandemic probably should have happened anyway and probably wouldn't have happened nearly as quickly if we didn't have the pandemic. So there is a silver lining to having something like this. It's actually caused real GDP growth. It's caused the economy to grow. And some of those ways may die down at some point in time, but a lot of them are permanent. And they were very good. Very good. In fact, uh, the only thing that's really constant in your life is change. And sometimes change happens quickly. Sometimes it doesn't happen quickly. You know, if you don't have an emergency on your hands, oftentimes you won't uh, do anything about it. You know, that's Unfortunately, that's like a, a lot of humans, all of us, we have a tendency to let things go until they become a major problem, and then we have to deal with it. Now, not everybody think, thankfully. A lot of people try to plan ahead. A lot of people try to see what may be happening, or at least come up with a general estimate of what might be happening. And this is something that you can do in your own personal financial world. You come up with a general idea. It doesn't have to be specific. I can't tell you how many people get, and I'm blaming the media on this one, but people get so stuck because they just read an article on the 30 things you must do before you file for social security. Yeah. Or before you get out of bed in the morning. The, uh, no, <laughs> I mean, fine. If that's your personality, that's great. You're going to be really frustrated with real life. And I see it all the time. So uh, I feel bad for those people because nobody's ever told them, look, it, it doesn't have to be that complicated. There was a, uh, Priest, William Ockham, Ockham's Razor, uh, the simplest solution is often the best. And that's kind of how I like to roll. It, it's not as difficult as you might think it is. The economy, you've got a, uh, a federal bank, a federal banking system that stands behind the banks that, that has the ability to extend credit and uh, print money. Those two powers are huge. You don't want to abuse them because then you have Argentina in your hands. But the you I got to be careful with that. But if it's used well, and, and I'm going to make the argument that it's been used incredibly well in the United States. Is it perfect? Nobody's ever going to be perfect. And and I can't imagine anybody. Uh, well, no, I, I can't imagine it because I hear them all the time. But a normal person would that's lived more than. I don't know, 15 years on this planet would probably know that it's impossible to be perfect. <laughs> so why do you demand that? Why do you demand perfection out of people in, in government uh, and in the banking system or anywhere for that matter? You have to develop your plans to live within being imperfect. That, that should be a part of your plan is you're going to plan on imperfections. So what are you going to do? You're going to estimate. We're going to estimate what we need for retirement. We're going to estimate how much we can accumulate if we save a certain percentage of our income. We're going to estimate what future costs are. And hopefully 
We're going to be conservative in our estimates. That's my personal opinion. I'd rather be conservative in my uh, in the estimates that I'm going to use. Why? Because if I plan on getting a, a 10% average annual return and I make my plans on that and I end up only getting five, uh, then there's a big problem there. I mean, you're, you're actually going to, there's a pretty good chance that you'd run out of money before you, uh, the end of your retirement. And I don't think that would be pretty bad. So what kind of numbers should you use? I don't know. Uh, BlackRock is a uh, large asset manager. Uh, they're largest on the planet, actually. They're bigger than Fidelity or Vanguard, by the way. And they have a suggestion. Uh, they've got a, a piece of software that, that they make available to people like me. And it starts off, uh, for somebody who's 67 years old, that's the full Social Security age, it starts off right around 4.5%. So it starts off right around 4.5%. Now, I feel like these guys wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been able to get as far as they have gotten if they weren't really good at what they do. And that number seems really low to an awful lot of people. A lot of people, it seems kind of high. But uh, if you're one of those people that thinks it's kind of low, the uh, um, my response to that is because BlackRock's actually figured in, and, and by the way, they're not the only ones. There are other people that have done this. Um, but in the software, they're figuring in that there's going to be future inflation and that you will have to take out more as your life progresses. And that is where the... Uh, um, the planning issues can come in and really jump up and bite you if you're not careful. So again, when you're looking at um, um, trying to do projections, it, I, I feel like it, you're better off erring to the conservative side, not to the aggressive side. If you err to the if you err to the aggressive side, it's just it it could be uh, upsetting if those goals are not hit. So. Coming up with a relatively conservative estimate, I think, is is the safer way to do that. And uh, future shows, we'll actually get, we'll, we'll talk about a lot of this stuff and, and just kind of break it down into like the super simple things. Uh, like I'll start off by telling you on this particular show that if you're using more than a 4.5% rate for distributions, you might want to rethink that. Now, back in the old days, you know, 20 years ago, you would say 5 or 6%. That's because returns were a lot higher. You had choices that were a lot higher. Uh, the, the guaranteed interest rates were a lot higher. Real estate investment trusts would pay 10 to 11%. I mean, think about if you could get that today. Holy cow, you'd be, you'd be stampeded, people trying to get that from you. Um, High-yield bonds, you know, right around 11%. Where are they today? They're down around five. And those are high-yield bonds. The other the other term for high-yield bonds are junk bonds. So CDs less than 1%. CDs used to be 5 or 6%. So I, I don't think a lot of the uh, older estimates that, pe that people are using are going to be as um, accurate because you're using numbers that are really not likely to be hit. Now, here's the only way I could see interest rates going up really soon. And I'm not sure that anybody's got the guts to do this, but if you keep pumping money into the economy and they are, and they need to keep it, they've done a good job staving off a bad situation and keeping it from getting a whole lot worse. Now I know if you've, if you've got a lot of money and you're seeing the government write these checks, it's upsetting because you probably know what that means. It means that down the road, you're going to have higher inflation. That, that's it, It's coming. 
sooner or later, it's coming. And you understand that. That's probably why you have a lot of money, because you're pretty good at, at math and money. And uh, some people, by the way, are just really good savers, which is awesome. You know, that would be, uh, um, that's great too. But if you understood it and you accumulated money, you understand that, yeah, there's going to be inflation down the road. And how do you fight inflation? Well, you can actually, the government can actually step in and stop spending on the programs that, that creates shortages. Uh, the banking system can go in and start raising interest rates on loans. That'll mean a whole lot less people are going to qualify for the money. They can raise reserve requirements. They can force banks to put more money in reserve, which means they that's not available for lending anymore. And that big crashing sound you hear will be the economy. It's, it's not the end of the economy, but it would make it really, really tough for a long time. I don't know if you remember the whip inflation, if you're that old, whip inflation now, um, I guess I'll have to wait until after the commercial break to finish talking about that. You listen to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned because I'll be right back. This is for my sisters that find yourselves confused From the magazines and movie screens telling you how to be you Oh, don't you think it's time to just be free Listen to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. You can reach me by going to my website, BullingtonCapital.com. Feel free to reach out there if you hear anything that you'd like more information on. Uh, there are some topics that you'd like to uh, hear covered on my show. Feel free to make those suggestions. And uh, I always kind of start talking about, about the economics, uh, how that's going to play out. And the second segment, so we're going to actually talk about fixed income right now. Uh, what kinds of alternatives are available out there, uh, what you might be able to do to try to get a safe income. See, there are a lot of income products that don't have a whole lot of safety uh, and have a whole lot of risk. And you can have uh, a lot of risk in a government bond. Now, a lot of risk. There's not a, a large risk to the principal because the government owns their own printing presses and can print up the money and just hand it to you. But it could be subject to a high amount of inflation for the time period that you've held on to it, which makes your returns uh, a lot lower when you adjust it for that inflation rate. And the fact of the matter is right now, the interest rates are just not very high. I mean, it's crazy. I, I really never thought you'd see interest rates this low for this long, way, you know, 30 years ago, 
<laughs> when I was in college, I could not have guessed. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And we were taught back in those days that a five or six percent unemployment rate was unattainable, and if it were ever attained, that it wouldn't last for very long. And which I think is hilarious because the unemployment rate remained well below five percent for several years. So I guess the bottom line is things are going to change. And over a long time period, you might need to make a couple of adjustments. Over your life expectancy, you're probably going to need to make some adjustments. Okay. In, uh, in this segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the fixed income portion of your portfolio. For most people, it, it, and again, it depends on how much risk you want to take, what kind of financial position that you're in. These are not things, you, you can't do a one-size-fits-all in almost anything when it comes to finances because everybody's a little bit different. You'll have people who have the capability of taking on or at least have the capacity to take on a whole lot more risk than they're taking, but they just don't want to do it. And then you have people who don't have the wiggle room to take on a whole lot more risk, but who are you know really gung-ho on taking a whole lot of risk. So it can be pretty tough to get the, the right portfolio matched up to your personality and your financial situation. And so that's what an advisor does. They sit down and just talk about those types of things. Hopefully they've got a lot of knowledge in those areas. That would help out a lot. But the, uh, uh, the bottom line is just bouncing the ideas off of someone, having somebody to talk to, to go through that's objective. That's a third party that says, well, you know, if you do that, then uh, these are the potential um, benefits and these are the potential pitfalls. So not everything wins all the time. And uh, I think that's probably one of the harder things that I have to deal with is somebody wants to, you know, here, here's an example. So 66 year old lady, oh, never been married. She's looking at CD rates that are less than 1%. They're 1% or less. She's looking at treasury bills that are paying a half a percent or less. Uh, and by the way, that's on a, uh, Wow. That's on a three-year note. A five-year note, by the way, you can get 0.82% today. 0.82. Not thrilling. Okay, that's really not thrilling. Or a CD that's less than one percent, not thrilling. So they're looking. She's looking around for some other source of income. Well, there's this product that's come out uh, within the last few years. It's called a fixed indexed. Two words there, um, because an indexed annuity was was actually the predecessor to this that was the more popular. I didn't like those a lot. I didn't like those a lot. I didn't like those at all, by the way. But when they come up and start making a fixed or a guaranteed rate that's competitive, okay, now I'm listening. So she's looking for something to supplement her income a little bit and uh, wants to know if I put $100,000 in here, what could I get? You know, What is going to be my return? Because she knows that she's going to get $800 on a typical CD. That's going to be taxable to her. Okay. So instead she buys this uh, product. And by the way, this is all from nationwide and there's a website up there. You can email me if you want to go to this website and kind of play around with it and put your own numbers in there and it'll show you what you can do. But just as a generic, a hundred thousand bucks, you have to wait for 12 months. Then you can turn the income on. And what nationwide is going to do is guarantee an income of 59, a little over $5,900. So, 
that income, by the way, is for as long as you live. So even if you spent the whole $100,000, they would continue to pay that until you die. If you, uh, this this is one of the things I like about this because they do give you choices of indexes that you can invest in. Um, If the money were to run out quicker because investment performance wasn't very good, doesn't matter. They're still going to pay. Okay, as long as Nationwide stays around as a company, they're still going to pay. So if you live to 150, they'd still be paying. And I think that's that's a really good option in today's market environment. It's not the same types of options that you used to have in the old indexed annuities. Those are the old ones didn't have the fixed or the guaranteed rates on them. These do. So I'm just going to leave that where it is. I know some people get upset when I talk too much about <laughs> these things. Yeah. And I know why, because they're, they're that type of investor that is very comfortable with taking a lot of risk. And that's what they want to hear about. They want to hear about the stocks, the ones that are moving right now. And we will get to that um, a little bit later, but I'm going to, I'll stop there. And I just use an example, a, uh, and by the way, the, the male and female in this product doesn't matter. It's just a person who is 66 years old, going to be full retirement age next year, wants to start taking income from some of their money. That would be a viable option to explore. It may not be right. And it's not right for everybody, but for an awful lot of people who are looking for uh, looking uh, for ideas on how to increase the amount of income that they, that they can get from their portfolio, this is probably a really viable option. Now, there's another option I've been talking about. It has a lower guarantee. Actually, the guarantee is a writer that you add to a product. But my my belief is that you've got a much higher chance for appreciation down the road somewhere. The fixed index, that word fixed, that means fixed. Once it's there, it, it's it's there. It, does, it never goes up. For the, There's a chance of it going up, but the chance is not real good. Okay. Uh, the These other products don't have a uh, penalty for early withdrawal. That makes it a lot different because the other ones do. This one doesn't have a penalty for early withdrawal. There's no sales charge going in. Uh, you don't get 1099s until you start to take money out, so it's tax deferred. You can put up to 100% of your money into stock funds. They have Vanguard, T. Rowe Price, Fidelity, Dimensional Fund Advisors, all the the really good names that are well, the name the really good names that I would like to see. They're they're all in there. And uh, if you decided to uh, abandon it, you could take it out without having any penalties, uh, sales charges. Or anything. So it's an extremely flexible product. And the fact that they're willing to guarantee an income that could potentially go up over time to me is, is a reason to look at that product and maybe, you know, think about including that along with the higher fixed index annuity. You get the higher rate on the, on that one. The, this one you could use for growth in the future. And it still has a uh, minimum guarantee on the income. You can add a, uh, you know, just minimum guarantee on the income. You can add other riders to it. That's not the uh, the extent of it. There's a, a rider that you can add on there for a uh, a death benefit. You know, you can't get back less than you've paid into it, which I don't know if you 
anybody that started investing in, in 2007, uh, in November, right when the S&P peaked, right before it spent the next 18 months dropping 57%, um, might appreciate that. <laughs> but you don't have to have it. It's not this is something that you add on to it. So I know this gets really complicated and I'm probably boring everybody to death. But the bottom line is one of them has a higher guaranteed rate. So that's something that you might consider as an alternative for your fixed accounts, the CDs, treasuries. This could be a, a good viable alternative for that. There's a, uh, The other one is for the growth portion of your money because if you're going to retire at 65 the average retirement's a little over 20 years. Okay, so 20 years from now, I can guarantee that prices will be higher than they are today. Well, I can't guarantee that, but the uh, history being some any guide and looking at what we talked about earlier in today's show with the economics picture, there's a pretty good chance that prices will be higher 20 years from now than they are today. So the other one gives you a chance to keep up with that, okay, or a better chance. Because you can invest all of the money into a 100% stock portfolio and you still have a minimum guarantee on the income. So that's pretty interesting. And we use, just for you stock people out there, we use a model to manage the interior funds. You can switch them up. We, we just monitor their performance. We are using the, the, it's called the momentum model. So we're managing that on an ongoing basis in an effort to try to grow those assets so that that income can go up. That's the other thing that's really important about this. This one starts lower because the potential for growth is higher and the income can go up. The other one's just fixed. This one can go up. So I know it's probably as clear as mud. So that's one of the reasons that I have a website. You can reach out. I can send you information on both of those products if you'd like and uh, just Hit me up on an email, and I'll be glad to get that to you. And uh, so I, I will leave that right where it is for right now, and I'll get over uh, a little early into the individual stock thing, which everybody loves. Um, it's one that people often ask, you know, in my business that are typically trying to sell me something. <laughs> what do you do that's different? You know, what differentiates you? And they've got all these terms for all that kind of stuff. And, and I can tell you one of the things that, that makes me a lot different. I have a lot more experience than the average advisor does in individual stocks, the, uh, a lot more. And most of them are not really taught to want to do that. And I understand why. In fact, if I had not come up through the system at the time that I have uh, had, I probably wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have that experience because when I first started, mutual funds were not as nearly as popular as they are today. In fact, I think there were only about 1,500 of them. And I'm sure there were only about 1,500 funds when I started. And there were like 11,000 stocks on the New York Stock Exchange and the American Exchange if you combine them and the NASDAQ if you combine it all together. So there were a ton of stocks and there were just a small number of, of funds. People have uh, uh, gravitated more towards the funds and it's a good idea. It, it's a really good idea because individual stocks are tough. They're really tough. But when you, you grew up doing that, it's not as hard. It's, it's actually all in your head. The challenges are, are all psychological because the math is also not extremely difficult. It's difficult if you let it be. Trying to predict the future with a high degree of accuracy is incredibly difficult. 
looking at probabilities, not as hard, not nearly as hard. And that's what we'd really like to do. If you're managing money, what you're really doing is managing your risk, which means you're looking at what are the chances? In other words, what are the probabilities of XYZ happening? And uh, anyway, I think I have to take a uh, real quick commercial break here coming up pretty soon. But if you would like to call me in my office and you've got questions or I raised a question, the number is 330-664-0700. And again, you can go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com to, to contact me. I'll contact you back as quickly as I possibly can. And uh, hey, there's Danny Goki. Wow, like that guy. Anyway, I'll be back right after these commercial messages and uh, talk to you soon. Trying to be flawless Has me spinning my head Catching my breath Too afraid to slow it down I tell myself to keep this up That God wants more than just my love But I've been complicating things It's just like me to overthink Gotta keep it real simple Keep it real simple back. Hey, you're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. If you'd like to get in touch with me, just go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com. I'll try to get back to you as quickly as I can. And so now we're moving to the section of the show that actually I I enjoy the most and I like the best. Uh, It's something that very few people should probably, well, well, let me see. If you've got a lot of time, <laughs> then you could actually participate in this kind of thing. But, you know, individual stocks, I, I, I really think that it helps to get an education onto how they move, um, what kinds of, of ideas have worked well throughout the years in financial markets with individual stocks, because the funds that you invest in are investing in individual stocks. And the more that you know about that, the more relaxed you're going to be. Now, you may find out if you know a lot about it that you are not comfortable at all. Well, that's a win too. Because knowing yourself, knowing what to expect has a huge impact on how well you do in financial markets and your investing. When you come into it with unrealistic expectations or false expectations because you heard, you know, you read some ad on on the internet, they promised to, to make you rich with little or no pain and, you know, just buy this one stock. And then you find out that doesn't work too well. And, and one of the worst things about that whole process is if somebody gets lucky and, and captures a big move in a big stock, then, you know, they think they're, uh, the people that, that bought that think that they're onto something and don't realize that it was just luck. And there's a little bit more to it than that. 
And when that luck runs out, incidentally, it's just, it's not good. So I'm just not going to talk about that stuff. I'm just going to try to focus on the things that we can control. And here's what you can control. If you want to uh, invest in stocks, my personal opinion is you can learn how to read financial statements, uh, which if you have never studied accounting is going to take you a while. And uh, you can go out there and look and look and do a lot of research and maybe Two to three years from now, you'll accumulate enough knowledge to be a fairly sophisticated stock investor. And those are called value investors, the people that look at financial statements, they look at businesses, they try to evaluate all that stuff. I do some of that because that was the most popular method of investing. That's what Warren Buffett's made really, really famous. He's been really, really, uh, he's been exceptionally good at that. Uh, I have to tell you, though, I wouldn't compare yourself to him because when he was when he had his really good track record, things were a lot different. Things were a lot different. So anyway, then there was this other type of investor and they were, they were known as momentum investors. Well, some of them were. And the momentum investors are concerned more with price movement than they are the underlying value of the companies that they're investing in. They were, in, they were, let me say that one more time. They were interested more in the price movement than they were in the underlying value of the businesses. That was a, a big part of their decision-making process. And there were lots of funds that, that did extremely well just concentrating on price movement. Uh, Fidelity comes to mind. You said this fund called the Trend Fund. Uh, there were a lot of quantitative funds there that looked at price movement. Janus, 20th century, back in their heyday. The, the, one of the issues with those types of funds is that once they get too big, when they when they have they can actually have too much success, and then it comes back to haunt them because they can't move the money as quickly as they did when they were small. It's a lot easier to move um, a small amount of money than it is to move a very large amount. Now that hopefully that makes sense to you. So their track records kind of died off a little bit, and they had to make adjustments to how they were managing the money when they got too big. That's not the average investor's problem. The average investor could do a lot of the things that those guys were doing back in, in their heydays. And so me having been around that long, um, I still know what those are. And incidentally, uh, they still work. It, they, they still don't work like people want them to, uh, but you can, you can do it. And there's a whole website devoted to that. It's called lookoutforthebull.com. And a guy named Mike Seeger runs that. And... I basically taught him how to run the scans and he publishes the scans that I look for in that small portion of my portfolio that I run myself. Okay. And, uh, so anyway, I just ran one of the scans and I'm going down through the list and, and I'm looking at it. Uh, and the criteria that we use are these stocks have to be in the top 10 or 20%. Now I, I've widened that out recently to 20% to, uh, help people get, more names on the list. Okay. And I've tightened up some other areas. So I actually uh, probably should talk to Mike about that because I just ran it now today. If, if I ran it today, there would actually be 150 stocks that would meet that list. People are going to go 150 stocks and I'm going, yep. But by the end of the day, that number is probably going to be down to around 50 or so. So the time of day that you, you do that it actually has a big impact on it. Uh, anyway, as I'm going down through and I'm seeing some of the names, these are names that have come up a few times. Uh, there are certain patterns I like to look for in, uh, when you see those patterns that, you know, it, it's pretty good. Uh, 
what it means is the stock is moving and it's showing some strength right now. It, it's been moving. It's been doing very well. It's in the top 10 or 20%, and it's moving very well right now. So that's, a, uh, that's kind of a big deal. Um, if you're looking to make money in, in stocks sooner rather than later, you probably want to focus on those stocks that are going up right now, not the stocks that are making the 52-week lows. The stocks that are making 52-week lows, that used to be a thing, buy low, sell high. Those are uh, going in the wrong direction. <laughs> so if, you're, if your goal is to make money a little quicker, you probably want to look at those that are going up now. And incidentally, value investors can use this too. If you're a value investor, a lot of my value-oriented stocks, I got they came up on a momentum scan because if, if there's truly value there, at some point in time, that price movement is going to it'll stop going down and start going up. It gets undervalued by dropping, by the way. And normally it's it's dropping because people are afraid of something that's going on at the company. Either the sales have slowed down or the profit margins are starting to dwindle. Those are the two major major reasons. And the stocks, uh, you know, the active managers out there are selling the stock, which gets magnified, by the way, by all these funds that are run by uh, computers who look at the total value of the stock. And as it's shrinking, they will actually add to the malaise by selling and vice versa. One of the reasons we look at price movement is because when the price movement starts going higher, a lot of these computer-aided uh, program or computer programs that buy and sell stocks in exchange traded funds are actually going to add to the holdings. That's one of the reasons if, if you're going to use price movement, I'm not sure that you have to look that closely at anything else. I think you can actually, I know you can, and you can do this specifically just off of the price movement and you have probably a better shot than most people who are looking at the companies that are going, reading the annual reports. It's uh, it can be maddening by the way, that someone can just look at a, a chart and say, okay, this is where I'm going to buy. I'm going to sell. If it drops to this point, I'm only going to put this much money in the account. It's kind of like a checklist. So as I'm looking at that, it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating to see it, it. It's always been fascinating. I've, I've uh, liked this from the time that I learned how to do it, which isn't taught in very many places. This is not taught in very many places at all. And again, the only reason I still do this, I mean, it, it's, it's very profitable, but I can tell you it's also very um, volatile that you probably only make money on 30 or 40% of your transactions. And people go, well, how do you make any money on that? If you're, if you're losing 70% of the time, how do you make any money? Because the losses you want to keep very small. That's the trick. That's the trick. And by the way, this is the news that nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants to hear you're, that you're not going to make money on at least 80% of your transactions. That's what people want to hear. Well, that's not true. I mean, unless you are a uh, high-frequency trading firm that's got billions of dollars in computers hooked in that gets a front-run orders, and if you don't know what any of that means, don't worry about it because you got to have a couple billion to understand it and make, make money off that anyway. <laughs> so there aren't that many people that will be able to do that. But if you're looking at a, something further, oh, this is interesting. The uh, I will have gotten stopped out of a stock that I bought yesterday afternoon. I just looked it up. I bought this yesterday afternoon. I will have gotten, and it will cost me one half of 1% of the portfolio value that I put that stock in. 
one half. Now, how's that? Well, because I only put 5% of the money in there and I put a 10% initial stop. So it's actually down about 10.84% today. So it's going to cost me somewhere between 0.5 and 0.6%. And that's why I can talk about this and not get excited. Um, This happens all the time. It's called getting stopped up. And if you can't, uh, if you can't put up with that, you shouldn't do this. So I talk about that a lot. This is all between your ears. This is not a, uh, uh, something that you have to be smarter. You'll, you can study as long as you would like to. It's a lot like trying to predict the weather a month from now. You know, that's what you're trying to do when you're trying to figure out where stocks are going to be. That's why I have other funds that do the kind of the Warren Buffett thing. Let, let's look at stocks that have certain profit margins. Let's look at stocks that are above a certain size. Uh, some of them are some paying dividends. Some are not. Yeah, so um, there are certain qualities of stocks that in the long run, in the super long run, are going to make the most difference. So if you tried something like this and didn't like it, there's no, um, there's no shame in that whatsoever. It's just not your style. And, but knowing how to do it really helps you as an investor. It's going to help you through the investment process. When you've done this and studied this and you've tried to do it for a little while and you find out that, hey, this is, uh, boy, this is a lot like work. And uh, yeah, you're going to have a lot of stocks that are going to stop you out after one day. But if you don't learn how to do this, um, then you're always at the mercy of the people that have this knowledge that you don't. Okay, So it, it's not actually that hard. And I would tell you that uh, if you took everything that I said and, or if you went to the website, look out for the bullet and you read that and you really worked through those instructions in your mind, wouldn't be that difficult. And then you could make a really good decision as to whether or not that you wanted to pursue this because quite frankly, it's not for everybody. No, it's not. Investing in stocks is not for everybody. Unfortunately, your choices outside of the stock market, outside of the volatility that's intense when people were seeing 40% of their stock portfolios seemingly wiped out during the pandemic that bottomed out in March of last year, they were really upset if they didn't expect that. Most people expected that that were invested. If you've been invested for more than 10 years, you know that something like that could happen. So it doesn't bother you quite as much. But if you don't know that, or if you do know that, and it bothers you so much that you can't stand to put any money into the stock market. Well, that's why those fixed index and those other guaranteed index uh, annuity products are there. And I haven't talked about those for decades. I mean, decades. I, I didn't talk about those until interest rates got so low and the economic picture changed to the point where the chances of higher interest rates coming back anytime soon are pretty remote. Okay. There's not a really good chance that those are going to come back any t- that higher interest rates on CDs and bonds are going to come back anytime real soon. And incidentally, when they do, that could be that normally you have dropping bond prices. So if you have long-term bonds right now, because they're the only ones that are paying more than 1%, those could drop 10, 15, 20, even 30 or 40%. Ask anybody who bought bonds in the late 70s what happened in the early 80s. So there's not a whole lot of safety in 
a higher uh, interest rate on a bond. If you're getting more than 3%, I'm telling you, you're taking risk there. There's some big risk there. And that's, again, it's one of the reasons I think you got to be really careful. You got to be really careful. And I think the, the fixed index, I own the product, by the way, the, in my portfolio. And I'm at least 12 years from retiring. So at least 12 years from retiring. And, and I really like what I do, by the way, if you can't tell by the tone of my voice. So the, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to try to do this as long as I can. <laughs> and um, uh, But it's minimally 12 years unless I get hit by a bus. And, and in that case, there's a return of premium benefits, so my beneficiaries will be taken care of. <laughs> I hear the music. That means I got to take, I got to go. Uh, listen, it's been a, a lot of fun. Reach out to me if you'd like bill at Bullington capital, or go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com. Have a good weekend, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington capital report broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420. The answer If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 